All right, this morning, I'm just going to share uh, briefly, and, and just briefly this morning, one of the things that I've that I, that I, uh, been led by God to do, and I'm going to do this, um, is God leads, and only he can do that properly, uh, through the scriptures, and I want to make it available. Usually we have Mondays and Thursdays for men only. I'm going to, I'm going to keep it open for whosoever wants to hear that word. Those times, Monday and Thursday, are at 8 a.m. in the morning, our time. And we have the folks from Texas, and I'm going to make that known to them, that it's 7 o'clock their time. And what we want to go into is prophecy. And I want to go into it, and, and just so that we know, and, and we base that upon the scriptures, upon the, uh, the, the word of God. But here I'm going to read and just be brief this morning in the beauty of the scriptures. But in Second Peter, it's 2 Peter chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1, and I'll start in verse 16. It says this, for we have, that's all of us in Christ, have not followed cunningly devised fables. That would be Satan through his wiles in Ephesians 6 verse 11. We have not followed, we, those that are in Christ and have been taught properly, haven't followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power, and listen to this, and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father, this is Christ, honor and glory, when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. And what Peter's referring to is what happened and what he was an eyewitness to in Matthew 17, 1 through 5. They witnessed the power and majesty of Christ being transformed right before their eyes on the mount, what is called the, the Mount of Transfiguration. And of course, that began publicly in Matthew 3, and verse 16 and 17, when Christ began his three and a half year public ministry. The excellent glory, they heard this voice, the voice of the Father expressing the truth about his Son from the excellent glory. And that's our place in Christ, by the way. We have that excellent glory, and that's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 7 that we those that are in Christ, positioned in Christ, have this treasure, the treasure that Christ is that came from the excellent glory and brought that to us in these fragile clay jars that the, ex the excellency, the excelling power may be of God, but never of us, never our own, or what the English would say, and we'll see it here, of, of any private interpretation the word of God. So this is, we heard, he, Peter said in one, Second Peter 1, verse 17, when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved son in whom all my pleasure is. And the voice which came from heaven in verse 18, we heard, and we're hearing it, the truth of it now, all of us. When we were with him in the holy mount, we have also a more sure word of prophecy, and we do, whereunto 
you, and that's all of us individually in Christ, do well that you take heed. Take heed as unto a light that shines, and that's Christ in us, in a dark place where we're in this world. Remember in John 17 and verse 14, Jesus was not of this world. He was in it, but nothing about him was of it. And neither are we now that we are in him, based upon Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 and 1. There's chapter 1, verse 1, all the way to 23. We are in him, so we are no longer of the world in John 17 and verse 16. And that's why the, the God, uh, the Holy Spirit, gave to the Apostle Paul to write that, that God forbids that we should glory. In Galatians 6, verse 14. We, God forbid that we should glory, we should have any glory, except in the cross of Jesus Christ. Because the cross did two things for us that we could never do. It crucified the whole world system to us. As far as God's concerned, the whole world system is dead and working its way to its end. Of whom the world, the whole satanic world system is crucified unto us because Christ destroyed his power. And we can see that in Hebrews, the second chapter. And we can start in verse 9 and follow it through to 14 and 15. And uh, we have this treasure in these fragile clay jars that the excelling power may be of God and not of us, but we have it in us. And so he said, we have a more sure word of prophecy that you do well to take heed as, a, as unto light that shines in a dark place until the day dawn. And that's going to happen. Until the day dawn. Till daylight dawns. Okay, and that speaks of millennial reign. But until then, until then, until that happens, okay, we have the day star. He's the day star. Arise in our hearts and our minds and, and, and controls our emotions. And when we know this first, we also know that no prophecy is of any private interpretation. Really what the original says, it's not our own. When it's not our own, it has nothing to do with our will. It has everything to do with him, Christ who fulfilled the will of the Father. And that was prophesied in Psalm 40, verses 7 and 8. And that was completed as Christ in, in his work that he was accomplishing in John 4 and verse 34 would finish it in John 19, verse 30 on the cross. And that's why even in Hebrews chapter 10, uh, 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10, okay, he has done that. He has finished all of that. And that's why no prophecy of Scripture is of any, is, is not for anyone to make their own. That's how it should really read in the original. Your own interpretation, which would mean through the flesh, and the flesh that would be under the influence of the enemy. For the prophecy did not come in the old time, in the old covenant, in the old teachings, by, look at what it says, the will of man. Because when our will is active apart from submission to Christ, what do we find? We find in Romans 7 and verse 18, there's no prophet, no good in it. And then all I can do is will to do good. I can will, but I don't find how to perform it because I'm trying to perform it apart from Christ, through privately interpreting and make, trying to make the word my own, apart from submitting to God the Holy Spirit, 
was the only theologian and scholar that can take the things of Christ and make them mine experientially based upon they've already been made in my position in Christ. And so it didn't come by the will of men, but holy men, holy men, they were holy men. We're holy. And we're holy. And he's made us uh, his righteousness in our position in Christ. Based upon 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 30. He's our, he, Christ is our wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. He's made us that. But to make us righteous experientially, we have to have a submitted will, be confessed up to date, thank God, in 1 John 1, 9, and function as holy people. And that's when, that's when we do. And when we do, these holy men are of God experientially. So are we when we submit our wills. And so holy men of God spoke as they were moved by who? The only theologian and the only scholar in all the word of God is God himself. And thank God we have it. Each one of you have that. Each one of us has that. We have the Holy Spirit in us. We have that unction, every one of us. And God can speak to you when you and, you and I receive the word. He can speak to you personally. Because everything he was saying here, he wasn't just saying to teachers. No, he was saying it to them, but not only them, but to every single believer in Christ. You have the Holy Spirit. It's called in 1 John 2.20, the King James calls it the unction. And in 1 John 2 verse 27, but we have the anointing and that's the Holy Spirit. We have the anointing. Each one of us has that. That's why Christ, that's why Christ is the only authority that we have. That's why the pastor is not your authority. He's not his own authority. Christ is his authority. Just as much as he's your authority. And, and yes, it's brought about this truth through, through men that are attached to Christ and submitted in Ephesians 4, 8, so that they can function properly in the gift. Notice it was a gift of grace. They didn't earn it no natural intelligence involved whatsoever, that they could actually function properly in their gift in Ephesians 4, verse 11, to teach others that they can now function in the gifts that they have. And if we follow it through to the 15th verse, but we grow up in him in all things and become a joint that supplies. Because <laughs> we all have, in measure, what? The same supply, and that supply is Christ himself. Every single one of us have that. And we can have it. And we have it positionally. But if we don't know how to experience it, and we've never been taught, then we do need to be taught. Not just others, but teachers too, by the same authority. And that same authority is the head. The head is, is Christ in Colossians 1 and verse 18. And we hold him properly in 2.19 of Colossians as his one body. And when we do, when we do, do we make the scriptures to be our own understanding? Thank God, no. And this is what it's teaching us. And again, but we have, we have, listen, we have a more sure word of prophecy. Because prophecy, so we can understand this in, in, in simplicity, prophecy has to do with the earth. 
how God is operating on the earth. That's prophecy. It has to do with the earth and it has to do with Israel and it has to do with God dealing with all the enemies of Israel as well as dealing with Israel itself. We have a more sure word of prophecy. We have Christ. And that's why it's so very important over the years, as, as, as much as, as, as God the Holy Spirit has been allowed to present the truth of Christ, we have an amazing foundation. And that foundation is Christ. That foundation has to do with all those truths that, about who the person of Christ is, listen, in each individual, and what he's accomplished for each individual. And that foundation is Christ, so that we're not tossed to and fro. Here and there, by every wind of doctrine, when there's the prince and power of the air in Ephesians 2, 2. That's why it's called every wind of doctrine in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 13. No, we have a solid foundation, and we don't build on anything of our own or what someone else would, would teach that wouldn't have to do with Christ in 1 John 4, 1, we're to try the spirits. And that, is, that even means what men are preaching. Are they being, is what is being taught from the Holy Spirit about Christ or from another spirit? Has the teaching come from that particular individual, from being seduced by doctrine of demons? And can, can that happen in 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2? Yes. Because it even says there, some will depart from the faith, meaning that they were taught, but they can depart from it. But thank God we have the anointing, the Holy Spirit, each of us. And he brings in our own individual proper authority. He's our authority. No man. No, because there's one mediator, right? Between God and men, it is the man, Christ Jesus, in 1 Timothy 2 and verse 5, and that's what Job was crying out for in Job 9, verse 33. He said, I wish, I wish someone could touch me, know what I'm going through, know what it, what, what, everything about me, and someone could touch God. And who's that go-between? The man, Christ Jesus. He became the man. He became. He was made a man. He was always the Son of God and always will be, but now also the Son of God by virtue of his deity, his preeminence in Colossians 1 and verse 18. But now he, he's a man based upon what? He's the Son of Man based upon he's the head of a whole new race of people. That's us, the church. This is what it's talking about. See, prophecy has to do. And we know what God's timepiece on the earth is. It's Israel. But before we understand prophecy, before we can even begin to try and understand it, we need that foundation built in our souls about who Christ is in us individually and what he's accomplished for you and I individually. And that foundation must be laid and it can only be laid by Christ in Matthew 16, 18, who fulfilled the work as evidenced by the, him going up and being accepted in the resurrection. We see that. We see it clearly in Acts 17 and verse 31 that he was resurrected because if everything about us hadn't been dealt with in terms of the Father being propitiated, we never were, he never would have been accepted there. And the measure of our acceptance, 
in this foundational truth and opposition, which he desires in our experience for, so that we can fellowship together, is in our position in Christ above. It's amazing when we understand it. But that foundation needs to be laid. We need to know that first. Because we do have a more sure word of prophecy. We have the height of being married to him and one with him, like no other people group in all of the scriptures. Some would teach the contrary to that, contrary to the word of God, because unfortunately, like any of us could be, they become their own. They make the word of God to be their own to interpret. That's what makes it so necessary for us to have proper preaching and teaching. And uh, again, we're going to get into prophecy. And, and, and prophecy is, is, is there any fear in love in 1 John 4, 18? Does, has God given us the spirit of fear in 2 Timothy 1, 7? So to teach prophecy is to teach us what? How close and how wonderful everything that God has in his eternal plan is coming to fruition. Prophecy, we're watching it right now being fulfilled. We're watching it. That's why it's of no private interpretation. Because it's being fulfilled right now. And we're looking at it as those that have the day star and the night of his absence. This is a dark time in, on the earth. It's the night of his absence. And what lights up the, what lights up the, the, the sky? Isn't it the moon which only reflects the sun? That's kind of it's a picture of you and I. But also we're his little stars that shine in the night because he's the day star. He's the day star. In the night of his absence, he's shining in us. And what a privilege we have. We are so close. We're so close. And, uh, and, we're, and our view is to be vertical. That's what he's teaching us. Our view is to be vertical so we can minister to those that are still horizontal on the earth with this teaching that we have. And uh, every one of us, because of what Christ, who he is personally in us and what he's accomplished about us, for us, for his Father and to, to his Father and for us, individually, huh? we are his eyewitnesses. Did you know that? We're his eyewitnesses. We can give a testimony to those that are still in the dark, to those that are still lost. In Ephesians 2, verse 12, but there's hope. And the hope that Christ is in us is close to them if they only say yes, if they only submit to Christ. Uh, and it's a, and because of the treasure in 2 Corinthians 4, 7 that we have in us. So we are his, we are his eyewitnesses. And how much more do we as the church right now need to hear him, to hear his voice more than any other time, is to hear his voice. And, and that's the day star. That means simply everything that we have in him, everything that we have in him. Please, and I say this, and I do, and I mean this too. Like some may think, and, 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 and again, we're growing, all of us, every single one of us in whatever capacity we are. But please do not believe the lie that when God wants to bring the teaching of the word of God about first the person of Christ and what he's accomplished for each individual, 
for the enemy to lie and say, that's too deep for you, when Christ has done all of that for us. That's number one. And to say that it's prophecy is too much. No, that's eternal. That's history. You mean a child? And I think, honestly, I think, I think even young people could be taught this. Because aren't they taught history in school? Were you ever taught history in school? When did you ever start learning that? Was that too deep at that time? You know, the lie of the enemy is it's too deep, it's too much. Maybe even in some of these booklets. And that's why, that's why the booklets are given in a flow and then the scriptures are down below. And you may think that's too much, but all those scriptures are telling you is, listen, these, these are the truth about who Christ is and what he's, who, who he is in you and what he's accomplished for you. That's all that is. It's not too much. It's not too much. And some of us may even be older. But God is redeeming the time. He really is. It's not too deep. It's not too much. Because that's the lie of the enemy. That's the lie. Because God's timepiece on earth is Israel. And that has to do with prophecy. There's absolutely no question about that. But you and I have a more sure word of prophecy. Because we not only have the prophetic word, which is being worked out right before our eyes. We can see it right before our eyes. Read Matthew 24, the beginning of sorrows, and look what's happening. Earthquakes, pestilences, diseases, you just name it. It's at the door. That's referring to the second advent. That's how close we are to being raptured, by the way. That's another truth, the rapture, that's being violently attacked. <laughs> that the, the rapture won't happen. There's no such thing. When the Bible makes it crystal clear, crystal clear. And it may be difficult for na natural intellect to understand, which it can never do. In 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 14, the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, considers them to be foolish. Neither can he know them, because they're spiritually discerned. Don't allow the enemy to say to you, it's too deep. You can't do it. Okay? You cannot do it. You can't do it. Now, now is the time. Because in Isaiah 49 and verse 8 and 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 2, now is our salvation, Christ coming back, nearer than we could ever dream. And that is going back to Titus 2.11. For the grace of God, the grace of God, Christ himself, has appeared unto all. Unto all men, humanity, men and women, teaching us to deny all ungodliness. Boy, if there's ever time for us to deny ungodliness and to live soberly and righteously in this world, to look for the appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who did everything that he accomplished in his person and the work that he did in Titus 2 and verse 14. We are so close. We are so close. And God would have us to know history because we're in the world, but not of it, but we're on the earth and we need, we need to understand it. And so hopefully, hopefully after, uh, after time here, we're going to be able to have, we're going to be able to have that and, and, and trust God that he'll, he will give to all of us this, the truth that uh, in prophecy. But of course, what has to be laid first? the foundation, because we need to build properly first about who Christ is. So in Matthew chapter 7, 
and verse 24 to 27 with 1 Corinthians 3, 10 and 11, building properly. And when you look at those scriptures, you will see that we are taught we need to build our house, who we are, on a solid foundation. That's Christ, his person in us, and what he accomplished for us in us. <laughs> we build on that, each one of you. Can I build that for you? No. Do I need to be, as, as a teacher, do I need to be taught continuously? Absolutely. Do you need to be caught, taught continuously? Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely crystal clear in the Word of God. And so this is very, very key to what we're saying. And we have this brightness. We are His little stars shining brightly to those that are in the dark world system, to those many that are in the Ukraine right now. It's a dark time. The enemy means it for evil. He does. In Genesis 50 and verse 20, but God means it for good. It's a huge opportunity. Because prophecy, is, is as far as God's concerned, it's working its way out in time. But is it finished as far as these eternal minds concerned? And it is. And we need to know it. And, uh, but first we need that foundation so that we don't build on sand. What is sand? If I have bad emotions, it's why? Because I have bad thoughts, thoughts that aren't from God. If they're not good, God's good thoughts, then what kind of thoughts are they? They're evil. And so we don't build on that. We build on the foundation. So then when the storms of life come, and come they will, and they've been coming and they will continue to come, and it will beat upon us individually. That's that conflict and warfare that's brought out in Ephesians 6, 10 to 17 to each of us. Each of us. When it beats upon that house, it won't fall. It will not fall because it's established on a foundation. So we need that. And, we need, and we're going to continue on that. Constantly being built up in who we are in Christ. But also because of the time that we're in right now, it's necessary to understand prophecy. And, and we're going to just trust God. And I'm going to trust him with you. <laughs> I'm going to trust him with you uh, to, to be taught. Because we're just all vessels that he pours himself into. And when he pours himself into us individually, and when we receive it and submit to it, in James 4 and verse 7, you know, we, we, we can not only be ones that draw near to God to continue to clean our hands, and are, are double-minded, going back to the flesh and not, you know, and under the spirit of Satan, but then just to the spirit of the Holy Spirit, we can bring others. And that's a huge privilege. So we're just going to, we're going to stop right there. But again, what it says that until here, until what? The prophecy didn't come. But we have... We have a more sure word of prophecy that we do well to take heed. And what is prophecy teaching us? It's close. It's close for us to see our Savior raptured from this earth. We do not go through the tribulation period. That's called Jacob's trouble. In Jeremiah 30 and verse 7. And remember his name change in Genesis 32. I think it's from 20 to 23. He had a name change. 
His name was Jacob, cunning, deceitful, con man, manipulator, into one Israel. His name was changed to Israel, prince, one who would be ruled by a king and then rule himself through being under the submission to Christ. And uh, that was his name change. That has to do with the tribulation. It has nothing to do with the church. Not a single thing. We do not go through the tribulation. We've been delivered from the wrath to come. That is in John 3 and verse 36. That is in 1 Thessalonians 1.10 and 1 Thessalonians 5.9. We don't have any wrath. But, but tribulation period, okay, there will be the wrath of God poured out against all of God's enemies, all of Israel, true Israel's enemy, true Israel, True Israel, we know, in Galatians 6 and verse 16, true Israel, because not all those that are of Israel are truly of God. You see that in the ninth chapter of Romans, and you can see like verses 4 through 6. Thank God for what we have. Thank God. Thank God we have that morning star who makes us his brightly shining stars. Because then when he comes in the millennial reign, He's going to be the son of righteousness. And that's Malachi 4 and verse 2. The son of righteousness. Now, don't need the star anymore. He's there in person in the sunny days, millennial reign, prior to going into eternity. Boy, we have so much. And Father, we thank you so much for what we do have. Thank you that we, it's not our own. That's the literal force of private. The better word is making it our own. That's what private means, making it our own through unsaved, unsaved, taking the place of true servants, unsaved, or true servants functioning in the flesh. It's not our own. We don't make the word of God our own. Can't be. It's only Christ. And Father, thank you for what we have this morning star. Soon on the earth, the son of righteousness dealing in the millennial reign. We just thank you and praise you for what we have. Thank you for each individual. Thank you that you're going to continually establish the reality of the foundational, positional truth of Christ in us and us in him and then bringing that into a proper experience to experience a proper image thereby only identifying with the image that Christ has made us to be. We thank you, Lord. And praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.